or we're only allowed 20 here in the building. Online, of course, um, thanks to modern technology, we're allowed unlimited numbers. So welcome if you're watching online. And if you're watching online and you get that shot from the back of the church, you see that the congregation is quite sparse. And you might feel that it's a bit cold and unwelcoming, but let me put that, uh, um, put paid to that lie because in the church it is so much warm, so warm and welcoming, so much more warm and welcoming than it is at home, me recording services as I did earlier in lockdown all by myself. I can see the smiling eyes of my friends here, even if I can't see their mouths. I hope that you feel warm and welcome this morning, whether you're here in the church or you're watching online. God promises that whenever and wherever we meet, that he is in our midst and he's here to give our worship life and to remind us of his love. And of his purposes for us, God comes to make us feel warm and welcome. So let's worship him as we gather together. Our first hymn is the hymn, For the Beauty of the Earth. And could you please rise as we listen and as you sing at home. Let's approach God in prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, we gather in the midst of turmoil and confusion. Turmoil and confusion, whatever that might mean for us as individuals, as a community, as a nation, or a world together just now. Whatever our situation, we come to worship this morning. We come to worship you. We know that no matter the circumstances, you are present and your love will see us through. This morning, we open our ears to hear your word. We open our lives and our hearts to your influence. Come now, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Inspire us, encourage us, and shape us. And when you have finished here, send us out. Send us out, Lord, to use us for your kingdom purposes where we live, where we work, and where we play. Guide us to bring your joy to others even and especially in the midst of the hard times that people are facing. And as the Lord Jesus taught us, so we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. In a normal week, we'd have me talking to the kids. Um, This week, I did meet with the kids on Thursday, but um, someone else said to me that they wanted to address the congregation and bring their testimony, their story of what God has been doing in their life. And uh, Naomi is going to talk to us about what God has been doing in her life for a number of years now. And she just wants to give her testimony to how good God is. And she's going to sing a song for us as well at the end of this video. So please watch. Psalm 9 verses 1 to 2 says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. Those of you who know me will realize that I really don't like public speaking. I try to avoid it and I would rather hide in the background than be visible. However, God has put a song on my heart and he has told me that I need to share about his goodness to me in my life. There is nothing that I lack. God has provided for me in every situation. I grew up in a Christian home with a wonderful family, amazing parents and brother, and now sister-in-law, nieces and nephew, and I have two precious daughters of my own. I have so many dear friends around the world. I have always felt that I've had a very blessed life, that God has always carried me through. Since my teens, Nehemiah 8 verse 10 has meant a lot to me. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Some of us at church have been doing a Bible study on resilience. A number of weeks ago, my dear friend Mary pointed out that to others, it would seem as if my life hasn't actually been that easy that I've really gone through some considerable trials. Um, About six months after I returned from my tour of Iraq, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. I was 27 years old at the time. Uh, The past five or so years have been very challenging as I left an abusive marriage and faced regular difficulties because of that. So I've had a number of trials which have found me completely dependent on God and yet marvelling time after time that he is the epitome of goodness in my life. All my life he has been faithful, and all my life he has been so, so good, and I will sing of the goodness of God. Wonderful, and thanks to Naomi for doing that. Even though she doesn't like public speaking, she did a very good job. I don't know if you uh, have been following the story of Mookie, a a boy in Bangkok that we've been praying for. Um, His mom has written to say that this song about God's goodness was one that carried her through the whole time that Mookie has been ill. God is good. We're going to hear um, from God's word now. Um, Caroline's going to come and read for us. Good morning. This morning's reading comes from 1 Peter chapter 5, reading from verse 1. 
To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will put things right and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power for ever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Caroline. <clears throat> Let's pray together as we turn to reflect on God's word. Lord, we come this morning not to hear my voice, but to hear from you. Pray that you would help me to step into the background and let you speak through your word. Speak in whatever way that you want to each and every one of us. That we might go from this place, having heard from the living God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so we come to our final installment in this series in the book of First Peter. And I'm, I'm beginning to understand why so many preachers can spend years on just one book of the Bible. There is so much in First Peter that we could explore and loads of questions that I still have about the text. And I'm sure that you do too. Perhaps we can come back to First Peter again at some later date. But for today, <clears throat> we come to this last in our series. We're in the last chapter of 1 Peter, chapter 5. Could you move on a slide? My technology doesn't seem to be working here either. <laughs> Peter comes now in his book to give instructions to leaders in verses 1 to 4. Now, if we don't feel that we are leaders in the church this morning, please don't turn off. What Peter has to say, though it might appear at face value to be only for leaders, is for all of us. It's not just for ministers, and it's not just for elders. 
Peter in this passage uses terms that have become formal titles for different leaders in the church. In the first in the first verse he uses the term elder. Now that is something that we Presbyterians know something about. And in verse 2 he uses the verb to watch over. In the Greek that verb is episkopeo from which we get the word episcopalian which refers to the office of bishop in some churches. And in verse 2 Peter also speaks of shepherds. Not many churches have the office of shepherd but in fact that is what the role of pastor is meant to be from the Latin for one who leads his sheep to pasture. So it appears as if Peter is being very ecumenical here. He's referring to the offices in the Presbyterian, the Episcopal, and the Baptist churches. But in Peter's day, there was no distinction between denominations. In Peter's day, there were no Presbyterians, no Episcopalians, and no Baptists. Peter is being even more radical than being ecumenical. He's being even more radical than just including different flavors of churches with their different types of leaders in his instructions here in 1 Peter. Peter uses all these words that one day will become technical terms for church leaders. But in Peter's day, these words are did not mean distinctive roles in the church. In Peter's day, the church was a group of people who met in their homes. Those he is writing to in 1 Peter are, are scattered. He says so in the first chapter. There were maybe one or two in a village, maybe one or two believers in a town or a handful of believers in a town. And this letter would have made the rounds to all of these people. So when he writes to elders in verse 1, it is in contrast to the people he addresses in verse 5. In verse 5, he talks to people who are younger. And what several scholars have suggested, and I tend to agree with them, is that when Peter speaks of elders there in verse 1, he is talking to those, all of those who have a mature faith, all the mature Christians. He's talking to everyone who, who has a rudimentary knowledge of the faith and who has been around long enough to be expected to serve others from that knowledge of their faith and from their experience as Christians. Peter's vision is that leadership in the church is for everyone, not just with the, for those who have been ordained elders. Everyone was expected to be a leader, except for those who are new to the faith but they too in Peter's mind someday and someday very soon will become elders themselves 
as they follow the guidance of those older in their faith. Church life, life together as the people of God for Peter, was about spiritual growth. In short, Peter's vision of church was about people serving one another and serving one another in humility and by so doing, helping each other to grow spiritually and persevere in their faith. It is only in later times than when Peter was writing that we begin to get a distinction between clergy and laity in the church. It's ironic, but Peter, who was supposedly the, the first bishop of Rome, the first pope, would have been the first to be appalled at the state of affairs that has come to plague many of our churches, a state of affairs of putting priests and ministers on pedestals and disabling everyone else from ministry. Yes, leaders are important, yet it was never the vision of Jesus or the writers of the New Testament that the leaders were the only actors and everyone else was just an observer. It was never their intention that the leaders were the only servants and everyone else in the church was a consumer. Their vision was that everyone would be a leader and everyone would be serving each other. Peter's understanding is that the only way that his people are going to get through their present difficult circumstances was if they were humbly helping one another, if they were humbly watching over one another, as he says, if they were humbly praying for one another, holding one another accountable, being good examples to one another, and serving those who are in most need. Humility is the key word in this passage for both the elders and the newbies or those who are younger that he describes there. And indeed, Peter sums up his instructions to both elders, those mature Christians, and the newbies by saying to all his friends, both old and new. Can we go on to the next slide? Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Humility in the ancient Greek and Roman world was not a virtue. No, pride and power were the things most valued in their world. A leader was meant to be served and not one who serves others. Nobody called Julius Caesar a public servant. If you did, you'd probably be fed to the lions. No, Romans were not fond of humility. Jesus, however, changed all that for his followers. Jesus sums up what he was about and 
what he wants from his people in the Gospels, where he says, could you, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever, whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I did have a great time on Zoom with the kids this past Thursday, and we talked about this verse. Could we go on to the next? Clothe yourselves in humility towards one another. And we talked about what humility might mean. A good definition is that humility is understanding that meeting someone else's needs is more important than meeting your own needs. Understanding that meeting someone else's needs is more important than meeting your own needs. We arrive at that definition through the example of Jesus. How is Jesus described by Paul in Philippians 2? Paul says that though he was equal to God, Jesus chose to become a servant. He chose to become a slave. And he humbled himself. And he served us by dying in our place, giving up his own life for the thing that we needed most. I like that picture of hell and heaven that I have heard people refer to a, a number of times. It goes like this. Hell is where everyone is seated at a large dining table with their arms bound in braces out in front in such a way that they can't feed themselves. And because people are so self-obsessed in hell, everyone is starving to death. But heaven is the same picture. People sat at a table with their arms braced out in front, just like they are in hell. But in heaven, they are happy and well-fed because everyone else is feeding everyone else not concerned about your own needs materially or psychologically, but intent on serving the needs of others. That is true humility, and Jesus embodied that for us. Now, I have to admit that I find humility hard. I don't find it easy. I want to blame my gender, but I don't think that is the whole story. Now, a wee public confession. During lockdown, I have been a very proud man. My lack of humility seems to come to the fore when I am dealing with computer problems, and you've seen them already this morning. <laughs> And during lockdown, I have had my fair share of computer problems. And my dear wife sees me struggling with these problems, and she comes to try to help. 
She comes offering suggestions. She comes asking questions. She asks, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? What have you done differently this time that you didn't do last time? And all those questions are very sensible and they're all intended to help me. But being a proud man, fixated on my problems and on my ego, I believe that I can do this and I know it all. I dismiss her questions. And I have to admit that I have been very nasty at those times. Am I alone in this? Are any of you as proud as I am? I wonder if the men could admit to that. Yes, we've got some hands up in the back there. Can I ask you to pray for me in this area? Pray that I realize at those times that there are others who can and want to feed me. Pray that I realize that God has given me, Jane, not to point out my faults, but to help me. And I'll pray for you, too, if you struggle in the same way that I do. Without God in the picture, though, this kind of humility that Jesus showed is impossible. And that is probably why humility was not a virtue for the Greeks and the Romans. If God is not present, well, who's going to look after my needs? It's up to me. No one else is going to do it for me. The one reason why they should be humble Peter tells his friends is precisely because God is present in their lives cast all your anxiety on him Peter says for he cares for you God humbly cares about your needs before his own and his care releases you to care for others in the same way that Christ did a picture of heaven oh may I have that picture in my mind the next time that my computer crashes I find humility hard that's for sure but I don't think I'm being presumptuous to say that we all find it hard I think that is why Peter tells his friends to put on humility. Like I said to the kids the other day, we aren't born with clothes on. It isn't our natural state. I've got to consciously put on my shirt and my trousers in the morning, or I run the risk of embarrassing myself when I walk out the door. It's the same with humility. It doesn't come naturally. We've got to put it on daily. Remembering daily the example of our Lord. Remembering daily that God will take care of our needs so we can take care of the needs of others. That's the way that we clothe ourselves in humility.
And let me tell you, folks, humility looks good on you. Humility looks a whole lot better than a grumpy middle-aged man fretting over his silly computer. Amen. And may God bless to us this reflection on his word this morning. We listen, still seated, to our next hymn. There is just so much in one Peter. And two things that struck me from this passage that I'd, I'd like to share with you now. First of all, for all you horticulturalists or gardeners, can we have the, the picture up there? In verse 4, Peter talks of a crown of glory that will never fade. And that crown of glory, of course, is the inheritance or the prize of the faithful elder Christian. Well, the word for never fade in Greek is the word amaranthus, amaranthus. It's a type of flower. I didn't know this before reading the commentary. It's a, a type of flower, and there's a picture of it. It comes in a lot of shapes and sizes, but it is mostly red in color, the amaranthus. And what is unique about this flower is that it has that bright red color, bright red color that never fades it's also a grain that you can eat, by the way. What Peter is assuring his friends here is that what God has in store for us and what we invest in his kingdom by humbling, humbly serving others, though it appears that it is here today and gone tomorrow, will in fact never fade. It is eternal. Secondly, and these two things go together, I can assure you. Down in verse 10, Peter again assures his friends of eternal glory, but only after they have suffered a little while. These statements by Peter, the crown of eternal glory and that little while that he speaks of, both have to do with time. Peter, in his letter, speaks a great deal about time. According to Peter, God's view of time and our view of time are quite different. Over in 2 Peter, Peter again speaks of God in time, and he says there, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, the Lord is patient with you. I wonder if you remember long car trips with kids. Do you remember long car trips as a kid? The kids are always asking, are we there yet? <laughs> How much longer? The kids want the time to pass. They want to get to the destination. They want to play in the sea or on the adventure swings or, or whatever. But the adults have a different perspective. The adults don't want the journey to be over. 
The adults want to savor the time together as a family. Because someday, and someday soon, the kids are going to grow up, and they won't have the time or the inclination to make these kinds of trips with you anymore. Peter understands God like that. The time he has with us both here and in eternity is precious to God. God savors all of it. The time he has here with us is precious to him. Even these trying times that we are living through, God delights in. In these kind of times, God delights to have us press into him and for us to tell him that we need him. This life with pain and its trials is a little while, according to Peter. It's a little while in comparison to eternity. It will not last long. But no matter how short life for us on this earth is, to God it is precious time. It's precious time to him because we are precious to him. And it's this time in this earthly life that we learn to trust him. And we learn to be shaped into a pattern of loving him for an unfading eternity. May God help us to slow down and savor even these moments of difficulty as time in his presence. Time to grow, to grow in faith and to grow in learning how much he loves us. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you for the promise of the crown of glory that will not fade. Help us to hold on to that promise and to give ourselves for the sake of others even as Christ has given himself for us. Lord, build your kingdom here in our midst. Give us inspired imaginations to conceive of how you might bring about that kingdom. But Lord, work in your way. A way that is so often bigger and better than we could ever conceive. And so we pray now for your kingdom to come in our lives and in the lives of those near to us and in the lives of those far away. As this time of restrictions on movement and on getting close to others continues, Lord, we ask you to make your presence undeniable. 
especially to those who are feeling alone and lonely. Be especially near to folks in care homes. Inspire staff and loved ones with ideas to keep these folks connected and engaged with others. We pray for those facing economic hardships, for business owners, for workers, for those whose incomes depend on volatile stock markets, and for those who must rely on benefits. We know that your love is infinite and that you care about all areas of our life. In this time of economic insecurity, help us to trust that all our security is in you, Lord, alone. Keep us mindful that you always have and always will provide for our needs. We ask you to give our leaders the wisdom to guide our nation and the world out of this present crisis. Help us to protect the poor and all those who are struggling during this difficult time. Lord God, provide for their needs and give them hope. And just now we pray for those who have lost loved ones recently. We remember before you the families of Hazel, Elizabeth and Isabel, among others. Thank you for precious moments together, recent or in the past. And thank you for the comfort of friends and family in these difficult times. Lord God, help those who grieve. Grant them peace. Give them hope. Exchange ashes for garlands in good time. We pray for ourselves as a church at this time. We ask you to help us to find creative ways of caring and sharing in our community. When the ways that we have been used to caring and sharing are taken away. Lord, keep us ever nimble, ever faithful, and ever looking outwards to the needs of others. We pray these prayers in the name of Jesus our God who came humbly to us and whose presence is with us and has changed everything. Amen.